right, live from Studio 6B on a uh, Tuesday night. Good to be back. Feeling good, thanks to our friends at 7cells.com, by the way. And I, and I absolutely mean that. The timing of it couldn't have been better. Because I got my, um, my pack that I ordered really just to have for future use, not knowing that Friday, Thursday night, really, I was going to get hit with this. Uh, you know, I never tested positive, but man... If it wasn't, I don't know what it was, because it was this, I mean, from what they describe, every symptom you can have. You had the first case of the flu in three years. <laughs> Maybe it was, <laughs> you know, that's a good, it's a good point. I, you know, I forgot about that, though, that that was a thing. Could have been that, but Rick Amorati's here. How are you? Hey, Big D, how are you tonight? Very good. Rick uh, Delgado will be joining us in a second. Uh, Geo Fran holding it down, as always. I said on Twitter, uh, this might be our last show that we're ever on. Because I could easily tonight drop the f bomb when I get going on New York and what's going on in the in the state of New York, but I'm gonna I'm gonna not going to. I'm gonna keep my composure. Well, I'm not gonna do that. And uh, we'll talk about the roller coaster of a day in New York. And I and I know people are gonna listen to me and say he's such a fool. But um, I mean I I I don't understand how any parent. And I know we live in a world where it's just impossible to not think of everything in politics, left, right, who you voted for, where you're coming from. But man, there's some things that to me almost um, transcend day-to-day politics. And I, I don't understand how any parent, I don't care who you voted for, where you stand on certain issues, I don't see how you can be putting up with this in New York, with this governor who is Kim Jong-il in a dress, period. That's what she is. She's worse than Cuomo by far. She's a hypocrite right there, as you can see. And she's overseeing and promoting and reveling in child abuse, in my opinion. Flat out. And we finally had some sanity with a Supreme Court judge strikes down, as you see there, the governor's mask mandate. And the first thing everybody in New York got confused about was when they see Supreme Court, they think there's no higher court, which is what most people would think. Well, it's not, unfortunately, it's not the case in New York. It's like everything else, ass backwards. So there was all kinds of shenanigans going on in New York today from this, for school districts and these poor kids. And so getting back to my first thought, I just don't see how any parent, I don't care who you voted for, think this is good for your kids. I'm sorry, but but there are enough studies. There are there is enough data that shows if you watched um, Senator Ron Johnson's fantastic, I restreamed it last night on our getter at LFS6B panel of brilliant doctors who should have been in there two years ago, by the way, when I was bringing you Dr. Ioannidis from Stanford, Dr. David um, um, Kelly, was it, from, from NYU, the doctor from Sweden I brought you two years ago, these people. Lockdowns and masks. The data we have so far shows there is no consequential benefit from wearing any of them. Since then, there have been study after study. One of the doctors was in the hearing on Friday, talked about the the preeminent study 
of cloth masks and N95s. There is no justifiable way to justify the, the one population that's almost at 0% danger. Zero. To be forced to continue to wear these cloth diapers on their face. From Kim Jong-il in address, the governor of New York. That's what she is. She's a damn tyrant. She's worse than the last tyrant. And she's so desperate to hang on to her damn power. And of course, what did she do after this? I mean, they are so up in arms over the, over the Supreme Court judge who actually made a, a, a ruling saying, you don't have the constitutional authority to do this. Oh, wow, what a, what a rebel this guy is. And of course, what do they do? In New York, you could close your eyes and find the, the biggest liberal whack job judge you could find. And they ran to a, uh, you know, the first activist judge they could find. And of course, they got their stay. I believe till Friday is another hearing now. And when I saw that they got the stay tonight, and it's not that I was even surprised. Because I knew they'd run, they'd find some liberal judge somewhere and you'd get judicial tyranny running wild. Did you do? And I have not heard yet, and I've been at the studio preparing for the show for the last couple of hours, and I'm assuming you're going to get school districts now throughout Long Island to start sending out more letters saying, well, I'm glad you enjoyed your one day of being a kid again in the state of New York, otherwise known as North Korea, but that's going to end tomorrow. I'm assuming those letters are coming tonight if they haven't arrived already. I haven't heard from my wife or, or, or no. And, we, and we've talked about, we, we, we oppose violence in all and every way. When we talked about all, the riots last summer, the January, everything. And I would never, but I'm telling you, if they try to put this back into place now, parents have got to stand up. And I don't, I don't want to use the word revolt, but they have got to push back. And I don't even know, I can't even define it for you yet. I don't know what it means. Send your kids to school tomorrow with no mask. And if the school tells you that you have to pick them up, then go pick them up and pick them up with a camera and videotape it. I don't care what you have to do. And if you're a teacher, and I know plenty of them, plenty of them that are sick of this, who were extremely happy to be going to work today for a normal day and be able to see their faces of their students and communicate and talk to them like normal human beings and got grief from so-called adults in the building who didn't even understand the law up to that point. Now, obviously, that changed tonight with the formal ruling from the, um, the judge on the stay. But the New York Department of Education and most principals lied, purposefully lied to most teachers and parents this morning about what was going on. When they knew, and if they didn't know, I think I tweeted this morning, if they're standing behind this automatic stay, which is what they were saying, oh, it's an automatic stay if they appeal. No, it's not. It wasn't to stay until tonight when the judge ruled. But they lied to parents, they lied to students, and they, and they didn't allow students and teachers to come into the building this morning 
when it was when the judge from yesterday, his decision stood at that point. And they tried to threaten teachers and parents and students, kids as down as elementary school kids. So the great Phil Kirpin's gonna join us at 8:30. And I mean, Phil's been on the show once before. And um I mean, he has been as good. In some ways, he has done heroic work, and I know he would laugh at this and say, get out of here. As much as some of these other people we highlight in this show, he has spent his better part of his every day, and I'm sure he was busy before COVID, running the, um, what's the name of that outfit, G? American Prosperity uh, Committee, Committee to Unleash Prosperity. I'm sure he was busy doing that. American Commitment, yes, also. But man, he has done tremendous work in getting, getting the truth out if people want to hear it. And, and I guess that's the part I go back to, to go full circle here in this rant. I, I, I don't see how any parent in New York, I don't care where you stand. You have kids. You're human. You want the best for your kids. How do you put up with this still? How do you put up with this still? You're going to get a letter tonight, and you're going to go, okay, sorry, honey, put the mask back on. But, you know, here's the problem. My kids come home today, and they had a great day. And, of course, my kids hear, you know, my kids, you know, they hear me blabbing like I do on the show at home about their rights and then this, you know, tyranny in New York. So, of course, they just roll their eyes at me at this point because so, they know. But they're like, Dad, there, there, was, there was maybe 40% of the kids who were still wearing masks. And that is just so sad to me that these kids have even been brought to a point now where they feel scared to take it off. Normal, healthy 15-year-olds who have a better chance of everything else in their life injuring them or putting them in some sense of danger than they do from this. And they won't take them off. I went to get my hair cut this afternoon. I'm sitting in the barber's chair. Two kids, clearly high school age, walk in by themselves, rode their bike to the front of the barbershop, got in, walked out, both wearing masks. The only two. And I'm thinking to myself, what, what is going on? I don't know how parents can be continuing to put up with this. The reports about the, the toll this has taken on most kids who are not being communicated to, who parents are walking around with five masks, a shield, and bubble wrap, driving in their car alone. From the media to Fauci to Saki to all of them, the constant drivel and drivel and drivel, non-facts. Saki today, again, enough. This governor of New York, enough. Stop abusing our kids. I mean, we'll, we'll, see, what this, we'll see what happens on Friday, but I'm telling you, I, I've been so fired up about this today. They purposely lied today to kids, to parents. They threatened kids when they got to school. 
They threatened kids to suspend them. They called parents. And they had no legal authority to do so. The judge's rule from last night stood. And most of these districts, I'll bet, who have counsel, who they went to counsel, probably told, they probably knew. And they just figured, you know what? We'll just, we'll get to the parents, we'll scare them enough, and most of them will send them in with masks. I guarantee you that's what most of them did. It's just, uh, I don't know. It's, de- it's disheartening in one, in one hand. It's, it's, it, just, it, it gets you so angry and ready to fight on another. I don't know. We'll see what happens on Friday. I'm not holding out a lot of hope because it's New York. And I don't think the rule of law really mean or their interpretation. I think that their, you know, their political identity comes first. So we'll, we'll talk to Phil Kirpin about it at 8.30. We have a lot more to do than me just rambling on about this. But man, I tell you, I was fired up all day about it. All right, live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday, just getting started. Lots to do. Slick Rick will do some sports. We'll do some news. Delgado will be here soon. Live from Studio 6B. Glad you're in. All right, 17 past the hour, live from Studio 6B. On a uh, Tuesday night, glad you're in. Lots to do. The great Phil Kirpin is going to join us, I believe, at 8.30. I asked him to come on short notice, obviously, because I saw him tweeting. He was actually the, um, he was the person who I first noticed who came out with this Haverst- Haverstadt, I believe was the name, versus New York case from a long time ago, basically saying that the prohibitory, because the judge ordered yesterday this prohibitory uh, ma- uh, you know, smackdown of Kim Jong-un Hulk's, um mass mandate, that the stay was not automatic because of the type of, because it was a prohibitory injunction or whatever, whatever the hell the legalese talk was. And that was the point that everybody was missing. And, and even the New York Department of Ed, who they didn't, they didn't, they, pur- mis- they purposely misled. They did not know about it. There's no way. They tried to get by. We know what they were doing, slimy weasels. But he was the first one to say, no, no, no. The Haverstadt law is, is set in stone. I think it was from like 1898 is New York law since 1898. There's no automatic, it doesn't automatically get stayed just because she's going to appeal. They have to actually file, go to court, the judge has to hear it, then the judge would have to. And exactly, exactly what happened tonight. But the fact that they, the fact that tonight we got the, this big release from the governor's office and the attorney general's office to show they knew they had it, obviously. You think they just happened to end up in court? Oh, look at this. Well, what happened this morning when you were like, oh, it's automatic? You knew it wasn't automatic. Lion, thieving weasels, all of them. All of them. You know, I, I, have to, uh, I have to go, to con- I have to go to back to church and go to confession. <laughs> because I find myself, no, I'm kind of half joking, but I'm half serious. 
I'm finding myself late. I'll bet a lot of people going through this. I, I find myself wishing um, mm. horrendous things in my mind on people. And I don't, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. But my God, I am so sick of these people. And the, they just, ugh. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know if anyone else is. Let me know if you, let me know in the chat. You're on Getter tonight on Real AM Voice, Real America's Voice, Getter. But sometimes I find myself, I have to catch myself because I just, um, wishing horrible things on people that I feel are, are abusing our children. And I, I don't want to be like that. I need to get some help or something. I don't know. So we'll see. All right, uh, let's do some sports and hear what that is. Slick Rick, what's oh, wait, Ray, wait a minute here. Whoa. I wasn't here yesterday. Gee, let me <laughs> let me just get a quick recap of. Uh, here we go. I'm wearing the Robert Graham shirt tonight. I left the Rolex at home, but I was going to have some hundred dollar bills stacked up here on the desk. Oh, 49 big ones. Uh, pump your brakes. It's early. And by the way, just to set the record straight based on your opening statement, if this is the last show LFS6B, all bets are off, Big D. <laughs> by all the way, I don't, wanna, I don't wanna pump my own brakes here or pat my own back, but I do believe from home, sick as four dogs on Friday on this show, I said to you, the best you got to hear is one and three, maybe oh and four. You okay. did. I'll give you that, Big D. You're a good handicapper. There's no doubt about it. And you were absolutely right. And, of course, Gio was quick to remind me when I walked into the studio <laughs> Monday, oh, Damon was right on the money as he made his graphics. So, Big uh, G did a good job with I that. Love but you, the, in your defense, it. Rick, though, Damon did not get the UFC pick, right? That's true. And that, that saved you from being down 50. Yeah. <laughs> Gio, if only you could have added a couple of zeros to that bet for Angano, I would have had a, I would have had a good night. But I only took 1,000. Yeah. I was so cheap on that. Too. And if it wasn't for Gio pushing me to bet it, I wouldn't have bet it at all. But yeah, yeah save my face there. That was your one winner. So that's exactly job. right. So NCAA men's division one, good night, big D. Uh, we got number nine Duke over Clemson right now, 52-46 with 14 to go. Hey, Rick. S- speaking yes. of, of college men's basketball, our own the great, by the way, and she is fantastic. Talk about a fireball. Yep. Uh she makes me look calm. Uh is uh, Amanda Head. Yes. Do you know she's a huge Auburn? Tigers basketball fan, huge Auburn fan. The number one Auburn Tigers right now. Yeah. And by the way, with, um, you know what, the coach of Auburn, of course, is, is my temper-esque uh, Bruce Pearl. Bruce Pearl. Which is why they're good, by the way. <laughs> number one. But they've had some, um, the well, program is a little shaky. They're number one, but they're on a four-year suspension, I believe, and Bruce Pearl got suspended two games, so... Well, I know Amanda didn't put that in her text to me about covering them as well, the number one team. She wants to focus on the good things, not the ooh, bad things, but that's all right. All right. Well, they're playing at 830, and they're in the show-me state of Missouri, <laughs> so we'll keep an eye on that, and we'll yeah. certainly have the score, and we'll see if they show us in Missouri tonight. Yeah. Good game. So, uh, anyway, former Boston Red Sox slugger David Ortiz, lone inductee into Baseball Hall of Fame as Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens Miss again, like the old Phil Collins. I think I missed again. Uh, Bradford Doolittle, ESPN staff writer on this one. With the process still tainted by the steroid era, David Ortiz was the lone player to gain induction to the Baseball Hall of Fame this year. And Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens were shut out. Big Poppy was the only player to clear the 75% threshold for induction, according to results of this year's write, uh, voting by the Baseball Writers Association of America. Ortiz was named on 307 ballots, 77.9% in his first year of eligibility. 
eligibility. I am truly honored and blessed by my selection to the Hall of Fame, the highest honor that any baseball player can reach in their lifetime, Ortiz said in a statement released by the Boston Red Sox. Bonds, baseball's all-time home run leader, uh, uh, 354 game winner, Roger Clemens, they both only came in at 66 and 65% respectively, falling short of the threshold, and they will not be uh, not be able to enter into the Hall of Fame this year. And Big D, I don't know, the steroid era, it's like the Pete Rose gambling. They just, I think they're just going to punish those guys eternally, and they may not get into, uh, you know, posthumously they may get in. I don't know. Yeah. Crazy. And uh, Aaron Rodgers, people rooted against Packers because I'm not vaccinated against COVID-19. Zach Wasink of Yard Barker reporting, Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers missed what became the Week 9 loss at the Kansas City Chiefs on November 7th after he tested positive for COVID-19 as an unvaccinated player. Um, he had previously claimed he was immunized, something he later said he took full responsibility for after he considered his words a little misleading. During his weekly uh, Pat McAfee show appearance earlier today, Rodgers said that a portion of football fans who watched Watch the 49ers eliminate the Packers from the playoffs on Saturday night. They did so with glee, only because of his unwillingness to receive one of the safe and available vaccines. Uh, so they say. I'm reading this. I'm not saying it. This ain't my opinion. Uh, there were a ton of people tuning in, rooting against us for one reason and one reason only. It's because of my vaccination. It's amazing how polarized even a guy like Aaron Rodgers has to feel over something like this, that it would impact his game. And, you know, obviously we know the outcome. They lost to the 49ers, which cost me $25,000. wasn't too happy. But that wasn't Rogers doing. That was more the special teams and uh, the gaffes that they had both on Mason Crosby's field goal attempt and then that block punt that was just unbelievable, recovered for a TD in the end zone. So we'll see where Aaron Rodgers lands. I don't know if he's going to be back in Green Bay at Lambeau. You know what's interesting about the Baseball Hall of Fame is that um, Pete Rose, of course, will never get in, supposedly because of his gambling. And now, of course, gambling, as as the years have gone by, is embraced by every sports league. It's legal and going to be 50 states sooner or later. Yeah. The sports leagues can't spend enough money on it, can't get in bed with it enough. And Clemens and um, Bonds and what those guys did is always going to be still illegal and always will be illegal. And Pete Rose, he never bet against his team. Let's remember that. He always bet on them to win. That's right. And now, of course, sports gambling and sports betting is is bigger than it's ever been, and every league can't get enough of it. It raises a lot of money for the tax base and for government. It's amazing, right? And Rose Rose will get in, but most likely, D, posthumously, unfortunately, unless he recants, which I don't see. I just think that that whole thing with Bocci Amati goes back way, way, way. But, yeah, Pete Rose, love Pete Rose. Biggest singles hitter in baseball history. Yeah, so people on uh, Getter, Real Real AM Voice, a um, lot of good responses from the great audience over there yeah. uh, about my uh, my feelings. I saw a couple good. They're going so fast I can barely get them. But basically, we're saying I, you know, a lot of people saying I feel the same way sometimes. Uh, but the difference between us and them is you you have and we have a conscious. Um. Judy says, I have to ask for forgiveness daily for the thoughts I have towards people, for the things going on. So I guess some people are are, are feeling the same way. So we'll, we'll do more with the Getter audience at Real AM Voice. We got more to do. Phil Kirpin up next, the great Phil Kirpin. Hopefully I don't have a stroke with him. Thirty minutes past the hour, live from Studio Six B on a Tuesday night. 
Rick Delgado's here, and Rick Emirati's going to do some more sports. Gio Fran holding it down, as always. We're going to try to get the great Phil Kirpin on with us here for a second. We're just trying to get his Skype up and running, making sure he looks and sounds good. So when we have him, Gio and Fran will let me know. Um, how are you? I am good. So you missed... Um, you <laughs> yeah, missed... what did I miss? What did I miss? So I, I spent the opening segment... Um, bordering on having a stroke, ranting about these <laughs> the mask roller coaster of the day in New York school districts. Gotcha. New York State Ed Department purposefully lying um, about the fact that this that this ruling was going to be an automatic stay just by the governor appealing it, which meant the mask mandate stayed in place this morning, which was untrue. Right. They knew it was untrue, and they purposely lied about it. They threaten kids. They threaten teachers. Some districts sent kids home. Some districts wouldn't let kids in the building. Kim Jong-un in address, Governor Hochul. Um, and the New York Department of Ed lied about it. Purposefully. And they did end up getting their stay, of course, because they ran to the most liberal, tyrannical judge they could find as quick as they could, which is not, I guess, a huge surprise. But... Where it goes from here, we don't know. So let's bring on, and he's been nice enough to join us on short notice tonight. He, you know, his, he returns, by the way. Not many people I say that about. The great Phil Kirpin. Phil, how are you? I'm good. I didn't know. Uh, it was a special honor to be invited back, so thank you. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know. We just we talk to people that we want to talk to and we like. And, I mean, um, and you're definitely one of them. So, and I, and I said this before, and I know you'll shake your head and say, you know, not true, but... I think, I mean, we are so appreciative of the work you've done the last two years. I mean, you know, we highlight Dr. Corey and we highlight Daniel Horowitz and some of the people who have gone out and about to bring the truth or at least the data and for people to make their own decisions. And I mean, you have certainly over the last two years, I'm sure you were busy before all this and you had a lot of stuff going on, but you have spent, man, you've done incredible work. Yeah, thank you. I um, and first of all, I apologize. I've, I had to do this interview in the basement because the kids are still awake. So I've got a light right above my bald head, which is not the best uh, image for TV. But look, I mean, it's been more or less nonstop for almost two years now. I'm just trying to make sense of what's going on in the world because, you know, what you get from the news media and the official public health sources is completely disconnected from the actual facts that we see if you follow the data on a daily basis. And one thing I've been saying throughout is don't listen to experts, listen to the data. Don't listen to anyone else's interpretation of anything. Look at the actual numbers. And I mean, to me, the crazy thing is how many times now have we seen these stories about overflowing hospitals and the hospital system's going to break? And then you look up the numbers and hospital utilizations like normal or low even. And we've been through like so many of these cycles and it's the same every single time. It's just unbelievable to me uh, how much um, misunderstanding, misperception, misreporting there is. And so what I try to do with all this stuff is I don't even most of the time make an argument about it. I just say, well, here's the real numbers. Like, look at this. And then usually that's enough to make the point. Yeah. Um, so let, let's go back to yesterday and then we'll work our way through the day. So we get finally some sanity, shockingly, in New York. Although I guess not shockingly because now we have Bruce Blakeman in, in Nassau County uh, on Long Island taking over and um, has been very outspoken conservative Republican, and we Long Island did really well in the last election, a lot of good elections for Long Island, and there's a lot of red districts in Long Island. 
Uh, but of course, everybody thinks of New York City, and it's just as blue as blue can be, and all that. So um, we get a judge who strikes down the the uh, Kim Jong Un and address Hokel's mandate, and um, everybody's up in arms. And of course, my wife's a teacher on Long Island. I won't name the district. I almost called and threatened them this morning that they were that I was going to find a way to sue them. Um, but everybody's up in arms, and that is, a, of course, because right away, the New York State Education Department, in, in, in corruption with the governor's uh, social media and others, the attorney general's social media, came out and said, oh, no, 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 this thing is a stay automatically just because we're going to, we're, we're going to, uh, we don't agree with it, so it's an automatic stay because we're going to challenge it. And yeah, this morning, my, my wife said, is that true? And I said, I, I don't know. Uh, first of all, people got confused because they see Supreme Court and they thought there was no higher court for anyone to go to. So they thought this was a done deal, which, of course, is not the case in New York. But I saw your post early this morning about this Haverstadt case. So can you talk a little yeah. bit about that first? Yeah, this is a case. Um, basically, and I think it was about like dumping, uh, dump, dumping uh, some waste in a landfill or something like that. And uh, there was a, an injunction preventing the dumping. And then the, uh, they, there was an appeal and they say, what can you, does the stay mean that we can go ahead and dump because the injunction is stayed? And uh, the Court of Appeals said no. Uh, when there's an injunction, it is not automatically stayed on appeal uh, unless it's an injunction that requires you to do something. If it's an injunction that requires you to do something, it's automatically stayed. But if it's an injunction that prohibits you from doing something, right. it is not automatically stayed. Obviously, in this case, it's a prohibitory injunction. It's the state being told you cannot implement, you cannot enforce this order. There is no automatic stay in that circumstance. So the New York State Department of Education lied when they said there was an automatic stay. A lot of you know, superintendents and school boards, unfortunately, just parroted what they said. And uh, the shame of it is they did end up getting at least a temporary stay later in the day. And uh, there's going to be a hearing on Friday to see if that becomes a more permanent stay. So it did. But at least, you know, for the next couple of days, the masks are going to be back on. But the really outrageous, sad and tragic thing to me is so many kids that by all rights should have had their one day of normal school in years got denied that by a lie yeah exactly and like you said not i mean they lied they threatened they met parents outside they wouldn't let kids go into school they sent kids home they threatened teachers my wife got confronted this morning herself from someone in her building that she thought she would never get confronted by about it and she said no i don't think that's the case you know she had little information for me at that point at seven in the morning and yeah. she said, no, I, I don't think that's the case. It's not an automatic stay. I think the judge's ruling from yesterday stands right now. We should not have to wear them. And she got challenged from her own administration about it. And then later on, after they either went to counsel or to somebody, they made an announcement over the loudspeaker that, okay, we can't, I guess, yeah, we can't enforce it right now. So they're optional or you don't have to wear them. Well, this is how dishonest. This is how dishonest the Hochul administration was. Okay, you know the Hochul and uh, Tish James say there's an automatic stay. You have to mask whether you like it or not. It's still in effect. At the same time, they're saying that publicly, they filed a petition for a stay with this judge in Brooklyn. So you know you're going, you're you're filing and making an argument that there should be a stay, which of course 
is an acknowledgement that it's not automatic, that you need to convince a judge at the same time you're sending out these directives uh, claiming something that's a blatant lie. And, you know, the, the other thing that I just find so baffling about this is she said she was going to lift it next week. So she's going to go to the mat going crazy to keep this order in, you know, over this very sensible, I thought, well-reasoned judge's ruling. Uh, but she's going to lift it next week. So it doesn't, to me, there's something very strange going on. And by the way, I have real doubts that if this judge on Friday extends yeah. the stay, <laughs> it's going to be lifted anytime soon. Yeah, exactly. And, and so, you know, and that goes back to, and I, and I don't know, this may not even be a fair question for you to answer, but I, I said in my opening rant here that I bordered on having a stroke tonight, um, what, what baffles me is that parents in New York, and I don't know, maybe this is just something that's unique to me, but I am to the point now where I don't even care where you stand politically. I don't even care who you voted for. I don't see how any parent with kids who want the best for their kids, who look at their kids the way they've grown up if they're young, or to look at the last two years, look at the reports, look at the grades, look at the life they've lived. I don't see how any parent from any political point of view can be putting up with this at this point. But my son comes home today from school and says, Dad, there was 40% of kids in the school who were still wearing the mask. I got my haircut today. There was two 15, 16-year-old kids, clearly healthy, young, strapping boys, walked in there with masks on. These kids have been so programmed and beaten down it's, and beaten down and beaten down, they're afraid to take them off. It's really, it's really, really sad. It's really, really sad because, um, you know, there was never really any evidence that they did anything, that they did any good. And now you've got, like, now with Omicron ripping through, like 75 or 80 percent of people have already had COVID. And so you look at these people and you look, you know, you look at all these masked people, you're like, most of them have already had COVID. And they're still acting like they're deathly afraid of getting something that they already had and probably wasn't that bad. And so there's a really messed up psychological phenomenon that's going on here. And, uh, you know, it's going to be hard. It's going to take some time to, to break free of it. But, you know, the, the argument for these mandates, it, it doesn't, it, you know, it's totally nonsensical. And they say ridiculous things like, you know, this 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 brief that the attorney general filed today was like, we're going to overwhelm the hospital. Hospitals in New York are already down more than 20 percent from their peak, which was like, you know, over a week ago. And even at the peak, they were fine. They were fine, despite all the stories. And, the, you know, they were fine. And in fact, the overall number of inpatients really didn't move. So the, the COVID number went up a lot. But the overall number of inpatients basically stayed flat, which tells you what? Hospitals know how to manage their utilization. It doesn't have to be some society-wide crisis. When a, when a disease comes through, they know they know how to handle it. Yeah. And plus, I mean, they're getting rid of they're getting rid of uh, healthcare workers if they're not vaccinated. How important can it all be? I mean, it can't be that. Well, that's important. the other crazy thing. Okay, so you know, we, New York has lost. You know, depending on the day, because the number of staffed beds bounces up and down and that kind of thing. But New York has lost somewhere around five thousand staffed hospital beds in the last year. And then they want to complain and put in mandates and lockdowns and mask mandates and this kind of thing and say, oh, my God, the hospital is like, well, what have you been doing with all the bailout money and all the everything, all the years of preparation time that we have fewer staffed hospital beds now than we did a year ago? And, you know, to your point, a lot of that is because you fired healthcare workers in New York for not taking a vaccine. And by the way, almost all those healthcare workers who were fired for not taking the vaccine already had the virus which provides better immunity than the vaccine anyway, much better, in, in fact, with the current variant. And so it's this completely insane upside down world where they're actually saying vaccinated healthcare workers who have current active
active infections, but their symptoms are improving, they can come into work. Uh, but unvaccinated healthcare workers who've already had COVID and are recovered and test negative, they can't work. They're you know permanently suspended or fired. And so the hospital thing is a whole other crazy you know mind maze that you can't even figure out. But my point is just you're already on the steep backside of this wave where everything is dropping dramatically. And yet here they are running to a judge saying, oh, no, public health crisis, it's going to be a disaster. It, you know, it's in the hospital, are going to be overwhelmed if kids don't wear masks, even though half the country hasn't had masks on their kids all year. You know, the UK never had them under age 11. They got rid of them for over age 11. You know, it's like, it, if there's a benefit, it's something on the order of like 10% of transmission. The studies on masks are sort of in the range of zero effect to maybe 10% transmission effect. So it's kind of like, like one extra case per school or something like that. Like, what are we talking about for which you're going to keep these kids in these masks more or less forever? Or you're going to finally going to lift them when, you know, when we get into spring and then snap them back on next winter? I mean, there needs to be a definitive endpoint, And we've got to force people to acknowledge this was a mistake so it doesn't come back again. Yeah. Can I uh, can I hold you over through the break and do another uh, couple minutes with you? Because I want to ask you about inflation. And I want to ask you about the FOMC meeting tomorrow, what you expect to hear from Jerome Powell and some other things while I got you. Can I hold you through? Yep, sure. All right, the great Phil Kirpin is going to come back live from Studio 6B. Glad you're in on Tuesday. A little more with Phil when we get back right after this. from Studio 6B, Real America's Voice, Dish Network Channel 219, Pluto TV Channel 240, Samsung TV Plus Channel 1029, and of course all our social media live on Getter tonight, Real AM Voice. Follow us at LFS6B everywhere as well. The great Phil Kirpin, at Kirpin on Twitter. I don't know if, are you on Getter yet, Phil? You know, I'm on there, but I don't use it. So okay. That's good. It's be much better interaction. You actually, people see you who are supposed to see you. You get you like your full interaction on Getter. It's, it's just, you know, it's hard to do more yeah. than one. Twitter's yeah, I, like, I, I sort of obsess with that, you know. I, if somebody made a tool where you like type something once and it goes everywhere. Well, they do have a couple of those, it, you know, but I don't know if Getter is included in them yet. But yeah, yeah. I don't know if any of those ever really worked. You know, I think <laughs> yeah. the, uh, the, remember the uh, Ryan on The Office, that was his business idea, the wolf. Yeah. It goes everywhere. <laughs> but, but, you know, it, it seems obvious, but I'm not sure anyone ever really implemented it. So the new, um, I think it's Harvard Harris poll has Biden at about 39%. I'd say that's overinflated by about 38%. And, uh, 10% of the people just went for the free donuts, maybe. But um, given a, a, a disaster that they are, they're so stupid at everything else, but they're brilliant enough to figure out in Florida what strain is the dominant strain and what strain all the Floridians are getting because they know enough that they can pull monoclonal antibodies because there's clearly no more Delta variant uh, in Florida, because they say, well, no, these two don't work. So now we're, we're pulling them. So what do you make of this whole monoclonal thing right now? 
Well, I mean, I think this shows uh, what a disaster it is to have government have a monopoly on purchasing and distributing medicine. I mean, we saw this happen in December. In December, they said, oh, the CDC model says only Omicron uh, is anywhere, so we're going to pull these monoclonal antibodies. And they did it for, I think, 12 days. And it turned out that Delta was still raging everywhere and the CDC model was broken. And we have thousands of deaths uh, pretty much as a direct consequence of that treatment being blocked. And now they're basically saying, Oh, well, you know, now this time it's true. This time there really is nothing but Omicron anywhere. And so we're going to stop it again. Um, but what Florida is kind of saying is, no, we're still seeing Delta cases like trust our doctors, trust, you know, our health department to get the medicine to patients who actually can use it and benefit from it. Don't assume that the CDC statistical model uh, is is uh, absolutely infallible and there's no more Delta anywhere. And uh, the Biden administration is like tough. No, no shipments. Yeah, I mean the the war on doctors being do, being allowed to be doctors. Now you have pharmacists playing doctors, stepping in, not filling prescriptions. I watched Senator Ron Johnson's roundtable with Dr. Corey, Dr. McCullough, Dr. Malone, some of these other frontline doctors who actually have treated real patients. Uh, this war on doctors and this war on medicine and early treatment has really been something. I, I mean, I don't even know how we move past it. They've lost so much. Um, at least it's really some... strange, you know. Yeah. You know, here in DC, our mayor said, I'm opening these COVID centers all over the city. And I'm like, oh, good COVID centers. They're gonna have treatment, they're gonna have it. And then I see it's like the COVID centers, they have tests and they have vaccines, and that's it. <laughs> that's the COVID center. It's like, <laughs> all right, I mean, how about if someone actually is already sick? You're not gonna do anything for them to help them? And apparently no. And you know, I think it's uh it's it's been one of the really outrageous things because you look at almost any of the treatments that have been tried have some benefit, okay? It might be small, it might, but you know, why would you tell a patient I'm not gonna give you anything? It doesn't make any, just the psychology of that doesn't make sense to me. You know, I would say, give them an inhaler, say if you have trouble breathing, use this. Give them, you know, give them vitamin C, give them a Luvox prescription, which is like 30% effective in randomized controlled trials. Like, why would you not give something? And by the way, even for this idea that Regeneron is totally useless against Omicron, which is sort of the official line now from the NIH and from the White House and HHS. I've had multiple doctors tell me they don't think that's true. They say it was 75 or 80% effective against Delta and maybe it's 40 or 50% effective against um, Omicron. You might say, well, you know, maybe that's placebo effect or whatever, but okay, but maybe it is. But you're still helping patients more by giving them a treatment than, than by not. And yeah. there's very limited downsides to these treatments. And so I find this to be really disturbing for exactly the reason you said. It shouldn't be some bureaucrat in government saying, nope, the supply's cut to zero. We don't think any patient can benefit from this. It should be you know, patients and doctors making these decisions. And frankly, you know, as good as Operation Warp Speed was at developing these treatments, it's been a total disaster on the distribution side with doing these huge government purchase contracts and then having bureaucrats do the distribution. Uh, all of these drugs, in my opinion, should have been distributed through normal commercial channels with insurance paying for them. And, you know, it should have been, you know, there are four companies that make monoclonal antibodies. How much more, how much lower do you think the price would be if they were competing with each other and selling through normal channels? And yeah. how much less do you think the shortages and the scarcity would be? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I want to get to a couple of things while I have you. So um, obviously we see inflation uh, seem to surprise everybody, not us. We talked about it for a long time. Once it's out of the bottle, it's hard to put back. I guess people thought air dropping trillions of dollars, the M2 money supply going up to the right, 40% of all dollars printed in the last two years. Oh, we're so surprised by this inflation. But obviously you see the markets are totally spooked in the last couple of weeks. You see risk on assets, everybody getting off. 
People are worried about Jerome Powell now. Is he way behind the ball? The FOMC meeting tomorrow. They say they're going to jack rates four, six times. They're going to unload the balance sheet from $8 trillion. What What do you expect? Can he even do what he says? Can he be as hawkish as he sounds, uh, given what it will do to the cost of servicing the debt and everything else? Well, I mean, look, I think they have to try. They're way too late getting started um, at tightening, which they never should have let inflation run as hot as it is right now. And it's not, And I think it's much worse than the 7% that you see in CPI. I mean, no got, doubt. We've got PPI up over 9%, up near 10%. And frankly, they have housing the CPI at 4%. Show any, they, <laughs> the housing it doesn't they show any of the housing. That's what I was yeah. going to say. It doesn't, it doesn't reflect any of the increase in housing, which we know is actually substantial. And so I think uh, it's actually running much hotter than that. So, I mean, the the uh, it's actually the right thing to do to raise rates and to announce a, a series of rate hikes. I don't think the uh, I don't think it's the wrong thing to do, but there's no question it's going to be painful. Uh, you know, when you have when you make huge policy mistakes, it's painful to correct them and it's not easy. So, look, I mean, I don't think there's an easy way out of this. I mean, it's the same way it always is. You're going to have to contract you're going to have to contract the money supply and uh, get it under, you know, get the genie back in the bottle, but to do that uh, means an awful lot of pain because you know, you raise the cost of doing business, the cost of borrowing, the cost of doing everything in the economy. Yeah. Um, I mean, past history has shown that, I mean, people, like you said, people, the market, do you think the market after, after tomorrow, I don't know what we'll hear tomorrow. Maybe we'll hear a more definitive plan of, I mean, there's no, do you think there's a chance he says we're going to raise rates like now or will he still wait till at least March? I wouldn't be shocked if they didn't. I wouldn't be shocked if they announced a quarter point or something right away. I mean, that might be the, that might be the surprise. I mean, you never, you never quite know. You never quite know what they're going to do in these meetings. Um, in, a, in my opinion, sooner's better. Sooner's better. You know, you want to, you want to, uh, you know, the the monetary policy. It's it's like turning an aircraft carrier. It takes a long time, and there's a long lead time. There's a long lag time, and so you know, I think they do need to get started. But I mean, to the point that you were making. You know, there's a lot of politics in this also, and there's a lot of you know, uh, you know, there's a lot of feedback in how it affects you know the spending debates that are going on on the Hill, and you know the cost of debt service, and so it's the the monetary and the fiscal are very intertwined, and you know I wouldn't be surprised if he's getting at least some perceived pressure, if not some express pressure, to wait a little bit because they still think they can pass another huge bill. Yeah. Um, last question before I let you go. Um, obviously, a lot of people are still focused on President Trump in 24, but um, let's talk about the midterms a little bit. Obviously, this year now we get a little closer. Um, Daniel Horowitz and people like that have argued it doesn't really matter if the Republicans take back over both houses. If we don't start focusing on state legislatures, governorships, local local government, what 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 are we really expecting from a Republican House and Senate that's going to be any different than any other time they've gotten the power? They get on stage, the lights come on, and they cower. Uh, where do you stand on all of that? Well, look, I mean, I think that um, you want to end unified Democratic control because even though and even though it looks like Build Back Better is dead, and you know maybe it's not, but it looks like it's dead for now. Look, I mean, they got that massive COVID exploitation bill with the obscene amount of spending that was in that. They got their massive so-called infrastructure bill, which included you know, mostly non-infrastructure spending. Yeah. And so they had a huge ratchet up in the size, scope, power, intrusiveness of government. Uh, you I know, got, the levels we really haven't seen before: six I trillion got, dollars in spending. I got twenty seconds, so, Phil. Do you think that oh, uh, they're so, in a place to take back both? It, 
it's good. I, I think at least I think the House is pretty much a cinch, and I'm very optimistic on the Senate as well. I think that it's pretty likely. Democrats have blown themselves up. You got so many Democrats angry over the COVID craziness. They're going to vote Republican. Republicans are going to win an accidental victory they don't deserve. And I hope they get their heads straight and do something worthwhile with it. And so the other question you were asking, those state and local elections are everything because we have had legislatures right, everywhere from go. the county to the state level not do their job. And we have these dictators ruling by decree. That's got to end. The great Phil Kirpin. We'll have you back. All right. Have a good one. Two live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday, 9 o'clock on the East Coast. Rick Delgado's here. What even is that coming up? Rick Gamarotti's got Sports Geo Friend holding it down. Glad to be back. I see some people on there saying, yeah, Big D doesn't still sound like he's got his voice. I, 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 I don't. But uh, I am um, Dr. our friend Dr. Chung from uh, 7 has got me. Maybe if you didn't off. start the show by screaming for 20 minutes. <laughs> I'm sorry I missed it. It's a good point, G. I'm going to I'm gonna calm myself down now. <laughs> Phil Kirpin's much more, uh, you see how nice, he keeps himself nice and calm, Talks just talks about the facts. And I'm, I'm, I'm just a little more... <laughs> You're a little emotional, I heard. I, I don't know. Just, My favorite part about our opening segment was every time I put Rick A on camera, him just smiling while you yelled <laughs> to, to no one. <laughs> I wasn't yelling to no one, G. I'm yelling to the people. No one in the room, I mean. Well, no, I know that. I, I feel like Ed McMahon on a costing episode here. There's somebody out there that I'm, that's that's going, damn right, D, I'm with you. A lot <laughs> yes, of people sir. said that tonight. So, uh, no, the great Phil Kirpin, thank you again. He get, I talked to him this morning and said, hey, can you jump on? Because we got to talk about this. He said, sure. So, doing Laura Ingram and other stuff, so he's busy. So, thanks to Phil. Um, all right, we got lots to do. Geofriend holding it down as always. We'll get to a couple of stories. One disturbing story out of the Daily Mail. Just, uh, again, another disaster of the Biden administration. We'll get to that. Um, and we'll try to get to some video. I have actually a video I was going to show Phil <laughs> when, it, when it comes to derang- people being deranged uh, robotic drones at this point. Um, but we didn't have time to get to it. But uh, we'll get to all that. But right now... In which I hear is going to be another interesting story. I have no well, idea where we're going, yeah, where well, we're about to go. Well, you know what it is? And I texted you today and said, you know, this is what it's about, just to give you a heads up. I wasn't sure if, if Paul might be here doing some uh, a news article on it, so I wanted to give everybody a heads up. If if the only way I'm going to hear it is if Paul does it as a news story, then you know this story's got to be out there because... Well, no, it, it has nothing to do with anybody falling out of a window in Russia, so don't worry this about it. This story is bananas. <laughs> oh, here we go. There you go. Here we go. And that, here of course, go. is Rick Delgado with what the hell even is that? <laughs> All right. Well, since Damon told me that uh, this news story didn't even come across his feed, then we'll start with this. Hey, Damon, did you hear the one about the infected experimental monkeys? (laughs) No, come on. (laughs) No. Well, that's okay, because uh, just like you, most people haven't. 
Why? Because if you watch the deep state news agencies, well, they've run absolutely no coverage on it whatsoever. So now that I've got your attention, let's talk about what they don't want us talking about. Check this out. Yeah, this. Last Friday, while most people were gearing up for the football playoff weekend, this headline came out. CDC is monitoring local residents for cold-like symptoms following the crash of a semi-carrying 100 CDC test monkeys. Oh, I, I, I got to go to church. Let me guess. The monitoring is being done by Rene Russo, Dustin Hoffman, and Morgan Freeman? (laughs) Yeah, not so much. Look, this isn't a story about a fictional California town in 1995. Nope. This is about a local town located near western Pennsylvania in 2022. I mean, check out what the local news had to say. New information on the bizarre crash in Montour County that had state and federal agencies searching for escaped monkeys. Those monkeys have since been found, and officials tell us they were euthanized. All right, well, there you go. The threat of the escaped monkeys is over. You may now go about your regularly scheduled lives. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then there's more from this report from WNEP. Check this out. Three monkeys that have been lost along the interstate in Montour County are all accounted for, all of them now dead. A public health risk assessment was conducted by several organizations, including the CDC. They confirmed the escaped monkeys were humanely euthanized. Okay, so three monkeys escaped the crash, and the monkeys were later reportedly humanly euthanized. I wonder what that might have looked like. My God, it's coming right for us! Now, this is, this is where the report now really starts to get a little odd. Because, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Thank God. Well, well follow along. Because according to the CDC spokesperson, the monkeys were en route to a CDC-approved quarantine facility after landing Friday morning at New York's JFK Airport. Okay, sounds reasonable. I've heard of that before. They also said the crash happened about 3.30 p.m. Friday afternoon. That's where the three monkeys got free in, Dan- in the Danville area. Now, you're wondering, Danville? Well, why is a truck in Danville? Why was it heading towards Western Pennsylvania? I mean, I only ask this because, well, according to this report out of the New York Post, they were headed to a Florida. Yeah, Florida. Florida? Really? What even is that? I I, I don't know about you, but if you've ever driven from New York to Florida, um, <laughs> you don't go through Western Pennsylvania. Well, it, it, it's, it's what they call a bit out of the way. Uh, I mean, of course, unless, <laughs> unless you have the bandit keeping uh, the local Smokies at bay. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. More from the New York Post conflicting reports as three were reported missing and killed on some reports. But from this article, there's still one monkey unaccounted for. But we're asking that no one attempt to look for or capture the animal, it says. Anyone who sees or locates the monkey is asked to not approach it, attempt to catch, or come in contact with the monkey. Please call 911 immediately. Now, why would you have to do that? Well, that's because of what the CDC said they found out about the crash. And we take you back to this headline once again. Yes, the CDC is now monitoring local residents for cold-like symptoms. Wait. I thought these were monkeys brought here to be experimented on, not that they were already been infected with something. But it, it, because if they were, wouldn't that mean that they would have to be held in customs for a few weeks uh, or even a month before being allowed to move around the country? 
More from the Gateway Pundit, Michelle Fallon of Danville, one of the residents there who saw the entire accident. She jumped into action, helping both drivers and the loads they were carrying. She said, I walk up to the back of the hill and this guy tells me, oh, he's hauling cats. And I said, oh, so I go over, look at the crates and there's a green cloth over it. So I peel it back. I stick my finger in and go, kitty, kitty. (laughs) No, (laughs) Michelle, you can't do that. It, It pops its head out and I'm like, it's a minky. You said minky. That is correct, yes. <laughs> Chimpanzee minky. Yes. Miss Fallon was then contacted by the CDC on Saturday and was told to monitor herself for any cold-like symptoms. Oh. And again, I got to ask, why would they be asking her that if these monkeys were supposed to be used for experiments? It sounds like they've already been infected with something, like they're already in use, and we're not supposed to know about it. Well, I tried, but you fellas are just too smart for me. <laughs> yeah, look, I don't know about you. Talking monkeys. <laughs> but from what we've seen over the past two years regarding these riots, uh, from the powerful, from the riots and potential false flags to the quarantine camps that they're building in Australia and China, it's all very Orwellian-esque. And I think it's fair to ask what the hell is going on or who knows maybe the monkeys are smarter than us anyway <laughs> magilla back to you i'm sorry who <laughs> all right rick delgado was, with what even a, is that so i mean that that, you just joke. leave us hanging there right so all we know is michelle put a little finger in there and yeah we monkey. don't know what's going on with michelle yet Oh, no, I'm just, I don't have the mental capacity to deal with this story if it goes anywhere. I just don't. <laughs> well, my question, and again, you know, they're heading down to Florida. Are, are they uh, staying at Fauci's timeshare down there? I mean, where are they going? <laughs> that sounds very plausible that they could be doing that. It's just insane. And, and to see, and again, you know, you, you hearken back to the movie and you're like, ah, it's just a movie. But Wasn't this is how m- these, these things start. 12 Monkeys movie or something? Wasn't that a movie too? Yes, there was the 12 Monkeys, which I forgot to reference. Hmm. But oh, man. only four escaped. One could still well, be on I- the lamb. We're not really sure. <laughs> Maybe Harry will find it on his next road trip. <laughs> <laughs> Harry with monkeys, and then the next uh, Harry on the road, or whatever the hey, hell we're going to call it. Business. I would watch that movie. <laughs> hey, Damon, you'll never guess who I met on the road. Hey, we They're got some footage fan. for you, G. Wait till you see this. Harry and his monkeys <laughs> in Pennsylvania. Just so we need. Damon, the monkeys are a big fan. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, well, I mean, a story that's maybe as head-scratching as that story is this story out of the Daily Mail. Put this up, G. Look at this. Race to beat China to recover $100 million U.S. F-35 stealth fighter from the bottom of South China Sea after it crash-landed on aircraft carrier USS Carl Vincent. Oh. Fears secret technology from America's most advanced jet could fall into enemy hands. Well, this is out of the Daily Mail, and I heard the great one, Mark Levin, talking about this. this is the only reason I know about it, because I don't usually look at the Daily Mail. But, um, I mean, look at... So, the USS Carl Vincent on Monday suffered a landing mishap with F-35C warplanes. The Navy said the stealth fighter subsequently fell to the water. It is packed with the latest technology and advances in radar deflecting design. The ship is currently in the South China Sea, 
taking part in exercises. The pilot of the F-35 ejected safely was rescued by helicopter. Seven were injured. Three required evacuation to a medical facility in Manila. This article says, as you can see here, I'll give you a little bit of it. The U.S. faces a race uh, to beat China in recovering an uh, an F-35 stealth fighter that plunged into the South China Sea uh, on Monday after what the Navy termed a landing mishap above the USS Carl Vincent. Pilot was forced to eject. $100 million warplane customized for naval operations plunged overboard. Plunged overboard. That seemed almost unbelievable. Yeah. Making it the second time in three months that an F-35 has been lost overboard. An F-35C Lightning, signed to the carrier Air Wing 2, embarked across the USS, had a, a landing mishap, and it impacted the flight deck and subsequently fell to the water during routine flight operations. Yeah, but as you just said, that's the second time it's happened. Yeah, second time. Impact to the flight deck was uh, superficial, but all uh, equipment for flight operations is operational. But obviously, the, 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 the story here is the technology that's on this plane. So uh, this would certainly leave me the idea that uh, China must know it's there. And we, and we obviously must know exactly where this is. So this, um, this article shows this, as you see here, as I scroll down through it, how it could be recovered. The Americans have to know where it is. Right. Well, I mean, it, it fell off the side of the ship. They should be like, eh, it's straight down from where we just were, you would think. Well, I don't know. I guess with the movement of the seas and them moving and who knows. But, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about this new F-35 and the technology that's in it. And this, this, I believe, was up for, even under the Trump administration, that this was up for sharing with our, our um with the UAW, I believe, or maybe Qatar and some of the um, some of our Middle Eastern friends, they were talking about making some deals to get some F-35s. And there was a lot of people who were absolutely totally against it after the money and investment we've put into this and that kind of technology to share it with anyone. Yeah. And now to have this happen, it's fallen and has to be recovered. It's like, whew. More to do, more sports live from Studio 6B. More news when we get back right after this. All right, 17 past the hour, live from Studio 6B. Talking to Phil Kirpin about inflation, of course, what's going to happen tomorrow with the Fed and FOMC meeting. Um, inflation continues to rise, as I continue to tell you. Value of the dollar continues to go down. President's out to even spend more of your money. Like Phil said, they may try to do another spending package. <laughs> it's, just, it's just never going to stop. So you're probably considering your financial alternatives right now. And, well, I don't blame you. Cash is trash, as we continue to tell you. They keep the the value of your dollar. How do you protect your hard-earned savings that you've spent your life saving? One of the options to consider is physical gold and silver. And the folks to handle that for you are our friends at Birch Gold Group. Birch Gold are experts in precious metals. An A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied customers. And I'd venture to say hundreds uh, from this show. And I'm happy about that. Most importantly, they have options. You can buy gold coins, 
You can convert an existing IRA into a gold IRA. You can even convert an eligible 401k account to a gold IRA. Here's how you get started. Text the word America, send it to 989898 from your mobile device. Just take it out, like send a text. Send a, instead of sending me a text saying, Damon, where are you? Text America, type it out, and send it to 989898. You get your free information kit with no obligation from our friends at Birch Gold Group. They'll show you how to protect your gold and silver investments in a tax-sheltered account. So get the facts. Start today, right now. Text America to 989898 and look over this free information kit and see what your choices are to protect your hard-earned savings. They made it super easy. Text America to 989898 and find out how owning gold and silver could help protect that savings of yours. 18 past the hour live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday. More to do here. Do some news. Let's start with sports, and here with that is Slick Rick Emirati. What's going on, pal? All right, update on that Auburn game. Just went to halftime in Missouri. Auburn 31 or Missouri 31. That's at the half again. And uh, number one Auburn trying to win that game. It's tied? Yeah, it's tied. They've been trailing most of the game, but they just came back. And number four, Baylor Mm. taking care of business against Kansas State 42-28. I wonder if... um... Now, listen, I don't want to put the hex on <laughs> oh boy, Auburn, go. but this is the night that Amanda texted me and said, are you going to talk about my number one Auburn Tigers? So now, I don't want to say she jinxed it. They're tied at the half as a 12-point favorite, a team that they should handle as the number one team, wouldn't you think? I would think. Okay. I would think. Well, we have the second half. I'm sure they're going to take care of business in the second half, right? Well, of course. I am not yes. going to comment because you know when Slick Rick says it's in the bag, it's over. We know how that goes. So yeah, I will a, not do that to a man. It's in a body bag. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it ends so, up in a garbage you know, bag. You know exactly. that. And, uh, and the Islanders are up 3-2 against the Flyers at the UBS Arena there. I think Mr. Nolan may be there, but uh, they're they're looking good. Um, and let's get over to the NBA real quick. LA Lake is 92-78 in Brooklyn over the Nets. That's in the fourth quarter. And listen to this score, Big D. Nine minutes to go in the fourth. Boston Celtics up over the Sacramento Kings, 102-57. Oh. Woo, that's a tough one. And let's go to the rodeo. One rodeo I didn't get a chance to recap last night with the busy show, but I don't want to forget our friends in Denver, Colorado, the National Western Stock Show. And uh, that was at the Denver Coliseum. That was a 10-day event wrapped up on Sunday. And uh, the finals, Rockus Steiner, he won on Ain't No Angel, tied with Cole Franks, who's on Guardian Angel. They both had 87.5 points, $4,500 each. Saddlebrock, Colby Wanchuk on Womanizer, eight. 89 points. And bow racing. This is a good score, boys. Brittany Posey Tenozzi. She's good. Uh, 14.89 seconds, $5,400 for her. Good run. Good run there. And bull riding. Josh Frost, 92 points on Predator, $5,200. Good win there. And steer wrestling. Mike McGinn, 3.6 seconds. Another sharp score, $4,500. Team roping. Coy Rallman and Douglas Rich, 4.4 seconds. Again, good score. The clock was really sharp there in Denver. And tie-down roping, Kyle Lucas took it with 7.5 seconds, $4,500. Total payoff on this one, Big D, 315,370 smackaroos. That's probably about what I'm going to end up owing you if I keep picking that way as we go on with the season here. And uh, let's Are you go- good at riding a bull? Yeah, yeah I might be. I'm, yeah, One of those automatic bulls that you're riding a bar. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, Dennis Shapovalov, uh, uh, Rafael Nadal received preferential treatment in the Aussie Open win. Uh, let's go to Melbourne. 
in Australia, our favorite country. No, uh, it's not. Num- I know that. Adam Stites, Yard Barker. Number 14, Dennis Shapovalov was eliminated in the quarterfinals of the Australian Open after a hard-fought five-set loss to number six, Rafael Nadal. 6-3-6-4-4-6-3-6-6-3. And he made his discontent with the umpire known both during and after the match. He actually told the Canadian umpire, you guys are all corrupt. That's what he said uh, because Nadal was taking some lengthy breaks. Granted, it's like 90 degrees there, so I guess the heat was on, but Shapovalov earned the spot in the quarterfinals with an upset victory over Alex Van Zverev. After his loss to Nadal, he walked back his accusation of corruption, but stood by his frustration. I misspoke when I said corrupt or whatever I said. Uh, he said, it's definitely emotional, but I do stand by my side. You know, a lot of these athletes are coming out in the heat of the moment. You know, we want them to be honest. We want them to be transparent. Very similar to Dak Prescott last week uh, with the referees and his concerns, even though Dallas lost that game on their own. And you know what? Then they get fined and criticized when they're actually, you know, talking in the heat of the moment. So I don't know. You know, you got to really think about that. We want the transparency. And then we also want to whack these guys. So, you know, in all fairness, they should get to say their piece. But Big D, I'll give it back to you. I'm going to have a report on Sean Payton leaving the Saints. Uh, and I got a couple other updates on scores later on in the league segment. Okay, very good. Let's uh, let's do some news. News is brought to you by our friends at 7cells.com. Visit them online, www.7cells.com. This week, uh, the LFS6B audience, exclusively 20% off your order at 7cells.com. You can pick up that early treatment pack that I just went through. Uh, you can pick up your ivermectin and any, anything else you want. 7cells.com. Use code LFS6B for 20% off. What's going on, Rick? Well, uh, did you hear about the monk? No, I'm kidding. Uh, Canadian-American rocker Neil Young is taking a stand against free speech demanding Spotify. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Yeah. I saw this story and I tweeted, here's how you handle this. Say, say Neil, they chose you. And he'll go, huh? You won. You go, huh. And that's it. It's over. That's it. It's over. He doesn't even know what day it is. No. Well, he's he's demanding Spotify pull his entire music catalog from their platform unless they silence podcaster Joe Rogan for spreading fake information about vaccines. Um, In an email to Warner Records, Young said Spotify has a responsibility to mitigate the spread of misinformation on its platform. And I want to let Spotify know immediately that I want all my music off their platform yeah uh, of course you might know that rogan notably inked a huge deal with spotify back in may 2020 <laughs> worth 100 million dollars yeah. and of course twitter went uh, a little crazy with i think the best one i saw so far came from a place that used to be funny actually had a funny quip on this one the daily show it said uh neil young is going to regret this when his monthly spotify checks for a dollar 37 <laughs> stop rolling in yeah exactly that's just gonna think how are they gonna make up that seven dollars of revenue they're gonna lose <laughs> <laughs> Neil, you're not rocking in the free world anymore, pal. No, that ain't def- a free no, world. Definitely no, no. not. Get out of here. Get out. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> Jump, jumping over to uh, one for the good guys, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration on Tuesday. That's OSHA withdrew its November 2021 order that mandated U.S. workers and companies with 100 or more employees receive a COVID-19 vaccination. Job Creators Network and American Small Businesses have defeated the Biden administration's illegal vaccine mandate that threatened to burden job creators with new costs and exacerbate the historic labor shortage, said Alfredo Ortiz, the president and CEO of JCN, the first to petition the Supreme Court to block the rule. The withdrawal follows a recent ruling by the high court that blocked the vaccine mandate for big businesses, though allowed the administration's mandate for health care workers to mysteriously stay in place. Uh, the 
the administration's uh, decision today to withdraw the mandate was announced in a federal registered notice. Oh, I guess Saki didn't uh, go ahead and announce it to everybody. It says here on January twenty third, on January thirteenth. 2022, the U.S. Supreme Court stayed the vaccination, finding its challengers likely to prevail on their claims. So there you have it. It's been withdrawn officially and uh, another win for the good guys. All right, live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday. Try to get to some video here when we get back. If I stop ranting about uh, Kim Jong-un in a dress, um, hopefully. past the hour live from studio 6b on a tuesday real america's voice dish network channel 219 pluto tv channel 240 samsung tv plus channel 1029 streaming of course on getter real am voice is the place to see us each and every night and one of these nights every i don't know if it's gonna be mondays or fridays we're gonna do some live interaction with the audience during the commercial breaks on the network so we'll uh, figure that out coming up too that'll be fun um do some video g before i get to this uh article that i want to get to from daniel harwitz in the blaze today a couple things i am people i'm sure have seen this but let's just review a couple of the reactions to this and the double standard (laughs) this was trump and of course biden gets away with it let's just review here remember cut one roll that that's a great asset more inflation what a stupid son of a bitch so Ducey tries to ask him a question as they're leaving, and uh, Biden takes takes notice and um, takes umbrage to it, and that's what he calls him. What a stupid son of a bitch, he says. Mm. And I guess that's acceptable now to the press corps. <laughs> Could you just? <laughs> oh. I just want you to imagine just for a second. <laughs> I can remember President um, having a cute little couple comebacks with some of the press reporters in the Rose Garden. He had one with somebody. So she said something. He goes, oh, no, I know you never do. Something about thinking. <laughs> and she said, excuse me? Uh, like, I can remember moments like that. I and mean, it was harmless. Um, but could you just imagine that? Could you imagine if he called that to somebody? Yeah, they'd probably have him impeached. You're, you're suppressing free speech. You're so here, attacking the press. Here's Jake Tapper's response to that. Cut to G. Roll it. Well, and Jake, I think the irony also is that the president was saying he wanted questions on the topic at hand. Inflation oh. is related to this council because, of course, that is something that they are trying to solve, something they are trying to talk about. It plays into the larger conversation about it. And then when he got that question, that was how he responded, Jake. Yeah, he's having a rough time of it. yes he is that would be life that would be life that jake's referring to um this one is unbelievable here here is your here's the typical kelly o'donnell nbc response listen to this cut three roll it kelly what is the white house saying about this tonight 
Well, we have not heard back from the White House. We have asked about this. Reporters were asking about Ukraine because the president has not responded yet about whether he has decided to deploy U.S. troops. Clearly, that's a critical issue, and reporters will ask about it. He made the point that he does not like when questions are asked about a subject other than the planned event, which in this case was about middle-class families and the economy. Oh, and I guess Kelly thinks inflation, like CNN just correctly stated, is not part of that? You know, he's told us he doesn't like that, uh, yeah. uh, Chuck Todd, whoever she's talking to there. I got to hold his water a little bit for him here on NBC. Oh, my God. She was getting oh the vapors thinking about it. Like, oh, my God, you asked him a question he didn't prove? Ugh. Lester Holt. Yeah, not Chuck Todd. Lester Holt. Well, he did tell us, Lester, that he doesn't like questions outside. He likes to go get ice cream when he wants to, and he doesn't <laughs> like questions outside of the subject matter. And now, oh, that was inflation. That was not that was not middle class uh, families uh, income. And, and I mean, are you kidding me? <laughs> this guy's an old, senile, angry man. And just if you forgot, cut four G. Roll it. Ask the right questions. What a stupid son of a bitch! Come on, man. That's like saying you before you got in this program. If you take a test where you're taking cocaine or not, what do you think, huh? Are, are you a junkie? What do you say? Go back and read what I said. Why, 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 you're getting nervous, man. That is an interesting reading of English. You, you, I assume you got into it's an interesting the journals because you like to write. I think I probably have a much higher IQ than you do, I suspect. Well, that's not true. You're saying things you do not know what you're talking about. No one said that. Who said that? Would, don't Who said that? that? I know you'd ask him. I have no response. It's another spirit campaign. Credit the rally. We're going to you all that. You don't understand that in your own business. Can, can I ask you a quick question on Israel before you drive No, you can't. I'm not unless you get in front of the car as I step on it. She can ask a number of questions. Don't screw around with me. Let's get it straight. You didn't use a rape reference? No, let me listen to me. I'm listening. Why do you always got those questions? <laughs> so don't poke that in my face, okay, buddy? Don't let me ask that. I'm You're a good man. You're a good man. Thank you, guys. This is all the time. Yeah. Mm. He's just a, he's just a uh, angry, old segregationist, mm. plagiarist, um, the big guy. Peter Schweitzer's new book says he could, and Mark Levin's interview with him the other night says he took uh, about $31 million from the CCP while he was down from being in between being vice president and president or so. So that book's out, I believe, today or yesterday. Levin had him on. It was a stunning interview. So he's not only angry, segregationist, um, but he's corrupt to the core. And he thinks he's, he still thinks, by the way, he's smarter than everybody. Yeah. Even though he's oh, yeah. dumb as a rock. And, and has clear on sense of dementia, if not full-blown. And is being jacked up by... Uh, who knows what? So, um, let's do this article, G, because I think this is important. Um, Daniel Horowitz in the Blaze today: the blueprint for ending COVID and COVID fascism in 2022. Because I talked to Phil Kirpin when he was on about, and he's comfortable, he's confident, saying that the House 
and most likely they the, the the Republicans will reclaim both. But let's talk about the um, what's going on on the local level. And this article says Republicans who maintain robust power in numerous red states need to commence 2022 with a simple New Year's resolution that they will actually fight back against federal fascism on all fronts and interpose themselves between the Washington tyrants and the liberties of their citizens. With nearly every legislature getting into session in the coming days, now is the time for the people's voice to be heard. If 2020-2021 was the great reset for the global elites, 2022 must be the great restoration for the ordinary citizens to launch a counterattack against the assault on our way of life. The counterattack begins in the state legislatures. What follows is a non-exclusive lift of must-pass items if we are to remain a free and healthy society unshackled with a biomedical state created in March 2020. Number one, the fight for treatment of our sick. There is no greater liberty than the right to life. With gain-of-function bioweapons unleashed upon us, we should have the right to access and doctors should have the right to provide science-based treatments. The war on treatment of COVID has exposed the broken and corrupt government corporate monopoly over medicine. Phil Kirpin talked exactly about this point a half an hour ago on this show. In order to take back uh, the personal right to remain alive and healthy, we need a bill that will accomplish the following. A, doctors must not be penalized with medical license threats because they share documented medical information on their own professional experience and observations concerning this or other virus treatments or ailments. Those who speak up against public officials, if done in the public interest, may not suffer undue retaliation in the form of loss of board certification, licenses, or loss of privileges. B, doctors must also not be penalized for prescribing any off-label but FDA-approved drug that is clinically indicated to treat patients so long as they, unlike the vaccine cult, provide their patients with informed consent. C, All medical licensing board officials should be subject to removal by the legislature. That's a big one. And D, well, they're all been big. Uh, D, all pharmacists must fill, all pharmacists must fill FDA-approved prescriptions for medications for off-label use so long as they are prescribed by a licensed practitioner. Failure to fill, and the second part of this is the more important part. Yeah. Failure to fill a prescription absent a, a conscious objective w- uh, objection would result in a $100,000 fine or uh, revoking of the license. And E, all, li- all insurance companies operating in the state must cover any prescription written to treat viruses and cannot discriminate. If they can pay the $3,000 for the failed and dangerous remdesivir, they can certainly pay for the cheap, proven, and safe repurposed drugs. Every state should set up a treatment page similar to what Florida did, encourage rather than discourage doctors to prescribe early and often. And then, G, all hospitalized patients must be allowed always to have one surrogate present in the hospital. And I can't tell you how many people I've heard from about that one. That their, their family members go in and they can't go in. And it's, it's just, it's heart-wrenching. It, it, it's mentally draining on these people. And they may be going for something totally non-related to COVID. All hospitalized patients must be allowed to access FDA-approved drugs off-label prescribed by a doctor at their own expense if they agree to assume liability, along with the right to refuse any hospital-prescribed treatment. A cause of action must be granted to patients to sue hospitals who violate the right-to-try law. 
all hospitals must be barred from medical kidnapping, whereby they prevent a patient from being released or transferred. No patient can be denied an organ transplant on account of injection status. By the way, that last one, the story of this father that's out there now, of two, who's being denied, I believe it's a heart transplant or liver transplant, because he's unvaccinated. If that's not proof that Satan is real and here, I don't, I don't know what is. I don't know what is. And, and kind of similar to what we talked about the other night, which unfortunately some of these cops going into these places, the, these people are going to be judged by a higher power someday. People in these hospitals making these decisions. It is absolutely, unequivocally evil in staring you in the face. This decision to not give this guy this transplant that most likely is going to put him in danger of dying. Number two, the fight for control over our bodies, a complete ban on the ability of any private or public sector official to force an individual to wear a mask or get a shot. We must apply anti-discrimination law, ADA and OSHA workplace standards evenly. The slate is not clean when it comes to such egregious human rights violations of the private sector. And we must not shy away from enforcing against the most inhumane breaches of existing law and standards. B, as it relates to public sector mandates, there must be an effort to place constitutional amendments on the midterm ballots, where feasible, to codify bodily integrity rights into the state constitutions. C, prescribe prison time for any local official who forcibly masks children. Amen. Including governors. A ban on all discrimination by insurance companies, institute a cause of action for citizens to take legal action against those who violate the ban. Number three, the fight to protect the National Guard. I'm not going to go through all these. You just see what they are. The fight for medical privacy. The fight for transparency. I'll link this on our social media, and you can, uh, you can go through these as well. Fight for state sovereignty. By the way, if you see, you see the videos going around right now of the Biden administration and these buses dropping off illegals who have come across the border in these cities is stunning. Yeah. He's, this guy's worried about every damn border but ours. And the press is too, by the way. Not one question in the whole damn press conference about our border the other day. Unbelievable. All right, we'll do some more news, more sports. Wrap it up for a Tuesday night. to the hour, live from Studio 6B. Let's do some sports. Here with that's Rick Amorati. What's going on, pal? Okay, a couple of quick updates. Good game in the Show Me State. Missouri right now leaving, leading number one, Auburn, 39-38 with 13 to go in the second half. Plenty of time, Big D, but they're putting up a good fight against the Tigers, so we'll see. Uh, UConn right now uh, leading Georgetown, 52-40 at the half. Duke over Clemson, 71-69. Tight game for number nine, Duke, but they pulled it out. Uh, and we have the 
uh, Lakers over the Nets, 106, 96 by 10 in Brooklyn. And right now, the Islanders and Flyers on Long Island tied 3-3 at Belmont at the UBS Arena. We know Mr. Nolan is there tonight rooting for his Islanders. And Sean Payton informs Saints he's stepping down and retiring as head coach. This broke a little earlier today. Zach Wasink of Yard Barker amid rumors that New Orleans Saints said coach Sean Payton hadn't committed to working the 22 season uh, as a member of the organization. A report surfaced that Payton met with uh, general manager Mickey Loomis for a couple of hours on Monday. It appears the public now knows the nature of that discussion. He has moved on. He told uh, Saints owner Gail Benson earlier today that uh, he's going to move on, likely heading to the TV booth on one of the major networks. They're all vying for them. I think there's a big move now with Amazon coming into the market. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I think Al Michaels may be making a jump, so they may be look, make, looking at him to fill those shoes. But uh, again, we'll see. I know the Dallas Cowboys are lining up. Sean Payton's an old <laughs> Cowboys coach. I know they'd love to have him, but technically he's under contract till 2024 with the Saints, so Cowboys would have to give up some loot. In other words, a couple of picks if they want to move him in now. But you didn't hear that rumor from me. And Tennis Australia reverses course on ban of punk shui protests at Australian Open. Uh, this is, again, from Melbourne, Australia, where the Open is currently being conducted. Uh, Tennis Australia has reversed the decision to ban Australian Open uh, spectators from protesting in support of Chinese tennis player Peng Shui, as long as it doesn't disrupt the event. Apparently, there was a few uh, fans that were in the audience with T-shirts saying, where is Peng Shui? And also holding a banner. They were banned. They were told to leave the arena. And uh, uh, there was a you know, whole big outroar on TikTok about this, that they should have the freedom of speech. And again, still nobody really knows where she is you know we all know the story about you know what had happened uh with pung and uh, that uh, a chinese uh, government official a couple of uh, i guess about a year ago where she said that uh, you know she was forced into having a sexual relationship with him and uh, it all just blew up and then all of a sudden she kind of disappeared from yeah. the tennis scene so uh, we don't know uh fortunately rick she hasn't jumped out of any windows that we know of so let's hope that that doesn't occur uh but anyway and real quick big d rams ticket policy for nfc championship game restricting four 49ers fans has been removed. Do you know SoFi Stadium? The tickets went on sale on Monday for the big NFC Championship game, and it was only limited to those within several zip codes around the Inglewood, greater Los Angeles area. They didn't want those northern San Francisco fans and Nancy Pelosi coming down into <laughs> L.A. to, to uh, you know, obviously invade their stadium because there was a lot of Niner fans there last time they played back in uh, week 17, that last week of the season. So uh, anyway, Big D, that's a wrap in sports. I'll roll it back to you. Okay, very good. Uh, we'll do some news. By the way, Rick, uh, AG, throw up the, can you throw up my uh, screen here on our Twitter? Rick, look at this by Cheryl Atkinson. Why would the CDC research <laughs> involving monkeys be a secret? CDC works for us. We pay for everything. If some were part of the research is classified, they should say so or prove it. Otherwise, just tell us. Mm, that's interesting. <laughs> because so. as we move over to news, I got this from the Telegram group, oh, who go. was uh, happy enough and uh, on top of it to uh, report this to me and point it out, a follow-up to the, the Telegram story. group was, huh? The Telegram group. Wow, yeah. I'm so I'm shocked by the, that. Uh, check this out. Uh, as reported earlier, a truck 
and trailer carrying about 100 monkeys collided with a dump truck last Friday along 54 <laughs> off the Interstate 80 in Danville, Pennsylvania. The three monkeys, they keep saying three, and then there's other reports that said it was four, uh, said they escaped and they were later humanely euthanized. The CDC reporting they are monitoring local residents for cold-like symptoms, which sounds very comforting considering, you know, what we've gone through the last two years. Uh, now, remember Michelle Fallon? The woman who was helping the drivers, she lifted up the green tarp and thought there were cats, and she went kitty kitty, and yeah. uh, a monkey face popped out. Yeah. Well, turns out Michelle Fallon is living a nightmare. The Danville woman is now experiencing symptoms believed to be related to her close encounter with the wild monkeys when the trailer when they were riding on collided with a dump truck in Pennsylvania. The following day, Fallon developed a cough and something that resembled pink eye. By Sunday, she was visiting the Geisinger Medical Center emergency room where infectious disease doctors were consulted. Fallon has since received her first CF4 preventative rabies shots, as well as a prescription of 14-day course of valacyclovir. The stay-at-home mom who shared that she was fully vaccinated and received her booster also was tested but came out negative for COVID. She's still processing the sequence of events that unfolded last Friday. She pulled over to check on the condition of the accident victims, but she said they were more concerned about press coverage than the incident. Last part of this, pay attention, the driver of the truck hauling the monkeys, identified in a press release from Pennsylvania State Police, was Cody M. Brooks, 31 of uh, Keystone Heights, Florida, even went as so far to put his hand in front of the camera of a local press reporter. He was very, very upset, Fallon said. He was in a panic. Brooks' passenger, Daniel Adkins, 59 of Florida, also required transport to the Giesinger uh, Medical Center for injuries. So we haven't heard the last of the uh, CDC lab monkeys that have uh, crashed in Pennsylvania that were headed to Florida, but somehow ended up in, in heading towards western Pennsylvania. We still don't know why they were going in that direction when Florida is south. Yeah. So. All right. Um, <clears throat> let's get to cut 12, G. I was going to play this for Phil Kirpin. So th- th- this, you know. I don't know. Back to my opening segment about I don't know how people can, no matter who they voted for, where they stand. But then I see this video and I think to myself, it's like we're living with two different species of humans on the same planet. Roll that. <laughs> she has no idea what natural immunity is. Of course. Yes. <laughs> She's done. Uh, I mean, wow. Uh, I mean, and she thinks she's got the facts. Yeah. 
She's been properly trained. That's exactly what they wanted. This this was the two-year psyop that they've been running about making people fearful, uh, trying to control their every move, thinking, and, and they keep dangling and moving the goalposts and dangling. You're going to get your life back if you just get another booster. Just think about it. Oh, my goodness. You can take off your mask. You can go and, and see people and touch people. You might be able to show off. <laughs> you might be able to show off the, that, that dental work you just had done after five years of covering your dumb face. Ugh. Hey, G, can you just throw up my Twitter for a second? This is why Twitter always wins. <laughs> is there- Opportunity to share some thoughts with you, our VIPs, our volunteers in politics, in our ongoing engagement for the people. Thank you for being a constant source of new, fresh ideas and political deliver and to defend democracy. Thank you for giving me the privilege to represent our city. Hello, it's Nancy. Uh, hello, hello, it's morning, Sunday morning. Well, morning. Welcome to San Francisco. I've done such a good job with the city. Can't you see behind me? As always, we salute our military, active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines protecting us. <laughs> Thanks, G. Thanks, Fran. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, Rick. Most of all, thank you, the live from Studio 6B audience. We'll see you tomorrow night, 8 p.m., right here on Real America's Voice. Have a good night, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow.